Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2340 with a release date of Friday, September 2nd, 2022 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Cambodian equipment rules challenge amateurs there. Plans are in the works to reenact historic transatlantic HF tests and get ready to celebrate Route 66, America's so-called Mother Road. All this and more. This Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2340 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline. Amateur Radio's independent, on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now, reporting from Union, Kentucky, here's Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Our top story this week concerns regulations that are having an impact on whether amateur stations can stay on the air in Cambodia. Jim Meachins at L2BHF brings us those details. Amateurs in Cambodia are struggling to comply with recent government regulations that they believe may prevent amateurs from being able to renew their operating certificates. The rules passed in 2020 state that certificates will only be renewed for amateurs whose transceivers have been granted the approval of the Cambodian Ministry of Post and Telecommunications by proving they meet government set standards for operating safety and health. The approval is known as TA. According to a post in the QRZ.com forums from Dave Taylor, XU7AKG slash ZL3AIK, hams believe the additional layer of security placed on amateurs in 2020 will have the effect of banning their equipment. Dave's post said that because the process of approval appears to be complex, current efforts are focusing on just one model of transceiver for now, getting the proper documents for the Yesu FT891. Dave reports that in the meantime, hams living in Cambodia and those visiting and wishing to get on the air have been unable to renew their Cambodia amateur certificates. This is Jim Meachin, ZL2BHF. The IARU is intensifying its advocacy of amateur use of the 23-centimeter band in preparation for next year's World Radio Communication Conference. Ed Durant, DD5LP, has the latest developments. In advance of next year's World Radio Communication Conference in Dubai, the International Amateur Radio Union is preparing for one especially critical item on the agenda, defence of HAM's use of the 23cm band, where EME and amateur TV operations are popular. Discussion next year is expected to centre on amateur coexistence with the Radio Navigation Satellite Service, or RNSS, on those frequencies. The IARU already presented its case at the EME conference held in Prague in August, advocating for continued amateur use. Barry Lewis, G4SJH, Chairman of Region 1's Spectrum and Regulatory Liaison Committee, reports on the Region 1 website that the IARU acknowledges that compromises will likely have to be made, but negotiators are committed to finding a way to retain amateur presence on the band. Further studies are expected to take place in early September when technical details will be explored more deeply. WRC 23 is scheduled to take place between the 20th of November and the 15th of December of 2023. I'm Ed Durant, DD5LP. 
A judge in England has convicted a radio amateur and his son for assaults going back several decades. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, has more on that story. An amateur radio operator and his son have been sentenced to prison following their convictions on rape and indecent assault charges that date back to the 1980s and 90s. A report on ITV.com identified the men as Arthur William Bowditch, 73 years of age, and his son Arthur Stephen, aged 54. The father was well known amongst hams in the Summits on the Air programme and was identified on the SOTA reflector as having the call sign g 4 WSB. Both men will become registered sex offenders for the remainder of their lives. William Bowditch received a 21-year extended sentence. He'll be given 20 years in custody, followed by a one-year extended license. Stephen Bowditch received a sentence of 12 years in prison. A note on the QRZ.com page marked him QRT. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Lyrics for the old American rhythm and blues song advises people to get your kicks on Route 66. But for hams, that doesn't necessarily involve the thrill of automobile travel. The 23rd annual Route 66 on the air special event will take care of any and all such adventure by getting on the air, celebrating the famous United States highway that travels between east and west, crossing eight states and three time zones. 22 stations using one-by-one call signs will be activated at locations along the iconic highway, including CW Sideband and the Digital Modes. This event was created by the Northern Arizona DX Association, but is now run by the Citrus Belt Amateur Radio Club. Three of the 22 stations are being operated by the Northern Arizona Association. So, start listening on September 10th. The event runs through to September 18th at 2359 UTC. Come along for the ride. Mobile phones in the United States could start behaving like satellite phones under an agreement the carrier T-Mobile has reached with SpaceX Starlink. Kent Peterson, KC0DGY, has that report. T-Mobile and the Starlink satellite internet service are calling the plan Coverage Above and Beyond. At a recent press event, the two companies announced a plan to help T-Mobile customers avoid service dead zones by creating a connection in underserved areas between mobile phones and satellites. The connection is to provide a total between 2 and 4 megabits per second across the area for users of 5G mobile service. A T-Mobile press release said the service is entering beta testing next year and will be available in the continental U.S., parts of Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, and U.S. territorial waters. The satellite connection is being called sufficient for texting, MMS messaging, and some messaging apps when users have a clear view of the sky. This is Kent Peterson, KC0DGY. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the N8NC repeater of the North Coast Amateur Radio Club in Brunswick, Ohio, on Sundays at 8 p.m. during the weekly Information Net. Get ready for the Transatlantic Centenary Test coming this December to an HF frequency near you. The Radio Society of Great Britain has already started to get things rolling as we hear from Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. 
With the support of Ofcom, the Radio Society of Great Britain has reactivated five call signs that date back to the 1920s at the dawn of amateur radio communication across the Atlantic. The call signs are going back on the air for all of December during the transatlantic centenary tests, which took place between 1921 and 1923. The call sign G5WS is being used for the 1922 tests as the first to make the ocean crossing. Its signal from South London was heard in North America on the 24th of December in 1922. Other call signs will be G5AT and G6XX, both used for the 1923 tests, G6ZZ used for tests in 1924 on a moving train, and the Scottish Highlands call GM3DR. These tests will differ from the original ones in that they will engage stations in two-way communications with the UK and Crown Dependency-based stations. Stations will be in England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, the Isle of Man, Jersey and Guernsey. So get ready for what lies ahead. Additional details can be found on the RSGB website. See the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Hams are signing up to activate POTA and soda sites along the Appalachian Trail in the eastern United States. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, tells us about the event and its participants. Imagine being part of an event that covers six national parks, eight national forests, and more than 40 soda summits and over 65 state parks and forests that have POTA designations. It's a stretch of land known as the Appalachian Trail, and it's considered a major national treasure in the United States. For the second year in a row, it will be where you can find activators participating in the second annual Appalachian On the Air event. It's also where chasers around the country, if not the world, will be pointing their antennas. The trail itself has a POTA national designation of K4556, and on the weekend of Saturday, October 1st and Sunday, October 2nd, activators will be posting their POTA schedules and SOTA alerts. Activators can plan ahead and sign up in advance now by going to the website www.atontheair.net and complete the form that appears on screen when you click the button that says RSVP. This event was begun last year as the inspiration of Mike WB2FUV, an amateur living in the mountains of upstate New York. According to his QRZ page, he fell in love with operating QRP from the mountains and the trails of the Northeast two years ago. He writes on his page that last year's event attracted more than 50 activators on soda summits and poda parks in 11 states along the trail. Chasers were answering their calls from throughout North America and Europe. This is Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. In the world of DX, Michelle F5LRL is operating as CN2DX in Morocco through to the 9th of September. He is operating holiday style on various HF bands using CW sideband and FT8. He recommends that operators look for him between 0500 and 1000 UTC and 1800 to 2200 UTC. QSL via EA5GL. Be listening for Mike, VE6TC, operating as ZL4 slash VE6TC on the air from Stewart Island, which is IOTA OC203. He's in Grid Square RE43BE. Mike will be operating until early October and can be found on 20 meters. QSL direct to the home call sign via the Bureau, via Logbook of the World, or EQSL. 
Operators Sven, PA1SVM, JW, PA7JWC, and Martin, PD2R, will be on the air as OZ slash PA1SVM, 5Q7DX, and OV2T, respectively, from North Jutland between September 11th and the 18th. Listen on 160 through 2 meters, where the team will be using CW sideband and the digital modes, QSL to OV2T via PA0ABM, QSL to 5Q7DX via PA7JWC, or Logbook of the World. No QSL cards will be available for OZ slash PA1SVM. Listen for MASA JA0RQV using the call sign A35JP from Tongatapu Island, IOTA number OC049, until September 30th. MASA will be on 80 through 6 meters using CW sideband and FT8, QSL via Logbook of the World and Club Log, or direct with $2 in U.S. currency. You may also use the Bureau via his home call sign JA0RQV. He will be unable to send a paper QSL until his return to Japan in October. Finally, we end this week's report with a memory that's sweetest in the mind of one radio amateur, a songwriter who shared the glory of having a hit single four decades ago. Skeeter Nash in 5 ASH caught up with him recently. 40 years ago on August 28, 1982, a song co-written by a young Nashville songwriter and sung by an up-and-coming future superstar was at number one on the Billboard Hot Country Singles Chart. The song was Fool Hearted Memory, and the singer was George Strait. What does this have to do with amateur radio, you ask? The young songwriter was Byron Hill, KD4KMQ, and the song was his first number one cut. I recently asked Byron to reflect on how the song came to be and how it feels to celebrate this musical milestone. Back in 1981, I was writing on Music Row at a company called ATV Music. They had film connections and wanted me to write a song for a movie. They wanted an artist connected with a song so that uh, maybe they could have a hit on country radio. My publisher connected me with a young producer whose name was Blake Mevis. Little did we know that day we were writing uh, the very first number one for George Strait. So the song Foolhearted Memory ended up being a lot more successful than the film was, and played such a a big role in in George Strait's success. KD4KMQ then recalled his beginnings in amateur radio and how the hobby helped him to write another hit song for another country superstar named George. I was interested in radio since the time I was very small. You know, even as a kid, I had a, a CB base station that my parents got me from Sears Roebuck. Even had a Morse code keyer. When I got a little older, I went into Boy Scouts, took radio merit badge. Later on, I, I met a friend who was a songwriter in Nashville who uh, was also a ham operator. Started writing songs together, and one of the uh, songs that we wrote was a song called High Tech Redneck for George Jones. So we kind of leaned on our ham radio knowledge for that, uh, even though we didn't put ham in there, but we put a lot of technical stuff that made George sound really cool. And that co-writer was a guy named Zach Turner, and his uh, call sign was N4ZFM. Anyway, I went on to get my general class license, but I kind of went a long period there where I didn't get on ham radio. But uh, thanks to you, Skeeter, I kind of got a little more involved. And But basically, you know, I'm just a novice radio guy with a general class license. And uh, I got a lot of new stuff to learn if I want to catch up. Thanks, Byron. Glad to be a part of your ham radio experience. There's more to the story, and you can access the full interview with Byron Hill in the extras section at arnewsline.org. Reporting from Shelbyville, Tennessee, 
about an hour south of Music City. I'm Skeeter Nash, N5ASH. With thanks to the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, ITV.com, NASA, Northeast Soda Club, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, The Soda Reflector, T-Mobile, The Verge, Wireless Institute of Australia, YouTube, and you, our listeners. That's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Neil Rapp, WB9VPG in Union, Kentucky, saying 7-3. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022. All rights reserved.